چقدر خوبی ما ایران قصد هست شدن نداره گل برای ایران بوچن نشان بکنا و پور دروازه پور دروازه This is the best place for Iranian pleasure. All right, everyone, welcome to episode three of Team Melly Radio. Uh, we have a very special guest on today's episode. He's a former professional player and longtime expert and analyst on Team Melly. Someone that I've been following for over 20 years now. He's been a, always been a calm and rational voice amidst all the noise and confusion that surrounds Team Melly. So with no further ado, I'd like to introduce Agaya Mehran and Molkara. Agaya Molkara, thank you so much for taking time out of your Sunday to chat with us. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for having me on. Um, let's talk football. All right, I love that attitude. Let's get right to it. So as of today, there are 85 days remaining until the World Cup, and the atmosphere around Team Melly is not great. We have infighting at the federation level we have a coach whose qualifications and job security are constantly in question and a seemingly divided dressing room how do you view all of this off the field noise and how much of an effect do you think it will have on the team's performance in latire in november well as you mentioned it correctly uh, i think um character wise and also environmental aspect of our team is the worst I've ever seen. So based on what we have and what we've seen with this team, preparation one side, infighting in the locker room, also job security of the coach, which has been rattled by the players, is something that we've never seen. So based on what we have, consequently, we shouldn't get any results when we play. But in football, things change. In one game, in one tournament, one 15 minutes, you gotta have, you know, you might have a good, uh, uh, good luck and good rhythm, and that would carry on to the next game. So we, we're gonna play three games, but based on what we've seen and what we've had, chemistry of the team, tactical awareness of our players, um, the games that we need to play in order to be prepared to play in the World Cup. All of these are less than desirable. So I think this team shouldn't get any results and should lose all three games that come back and come back to Iran. Yeah, so let's talk a bit about Skocic himself as a manager. A lot of his supporters will point to the fact that he took over the job when Team Melly was really in trouble and needed to get four straight results in Bahrain. He won all four of those games, beating Bahrain and Bahrain, something we had never done before. And he went on to lead the team to a fairly easy qualification to the World Cup. His critics will point to the fact that he never really got any good results against strong opposition. They'll attribute the results that he get, did get to either the quality of our own players or the weakness of the opposition. S speaking strictly from a tactical perspective, how would you evaluate what you have seen from Skocic thus far? I think he's a good average Croatian coach that has been we've seen along along the line in Iran with Begovic, Bronco, and the rest of them that we've seen in Iran. The point is at that time we need to talk we need to talk about what happened. 
at that time that the team lost a couple of games under Wilmot, we were in chaos and the Federation had no money because they had to pay all the money to Wilmot and with the situation with the FIFA and CAS. So they were looking for any coach who would take the job. So their, their first offer was to the Iranian coaches, which none of them had the, uh, let's say, guts to get it because it will affect their resume in the future for getting jobs in the future. So none of them wanted to touch it because we were really bad. And at that time, we had to play in Bahrain, I guess, for four games, do or die. We had to win all four. Then you find a coach who's tactically good enough and has in, had been in Iran for a few years, so he knew the players and basically was cheap. So they took him to take over, and he had the guts to say, either I'm getting this opportunity, we'll never get in my life, him being Scotch, or, you know, or just go back to Croatia or, you know, go on in this, what, what do we call it, the, the desert of trying to find good jobs. It was a great job offered to him, and he took it. Then when he took it, I actually watched him to see what he would do with selection of our players. And he took some gutsy moves. He put out uh, Ansari Fat, who was a captain on national team. He stood in front of uh, uh, Haj Safi, that he, he was not, even though he was a captain of the national team as well, at both of them, Ansari Fat and um, Haj Safi. And the other thing, didn't invite Ramin Razayan. He took, he put a stamp of his players on, okay? It's always easy in football. I've been around long enough. Then you always say, ah, the players are good enough. This is the best team we've had in 30, 40 years. Every generation says the same thing. I could tell you this team is not the best team Iran has ever had. So tactically, I mean, uh, technically, we're not even as good as the team from 1998 or even before that. Tactically and physically, we're better. But this team is not one of the best teams we've ever had. So what happened was he made some good and gutsy moves. And he, he got the result. He went in there and won four in a row. And came out and took the team out of the mess. So now you're in this dilemma. You have a coach who might actually go to the World Cup, but is not good enough to go against Southgate. He was not good enough to go against uh, Bert Holter. He's not good enough to go against the great coaches in the world stage. So that's when I think our old timers, when the like Ali Dai, Javad Nekuna, Amir Galenoi started making moves to remove this guy from the team through the players that they had, which would be Tahami and Jahanbak. And I think that's where the crack happened. And that's when, and started when Tahami started, sorry, Tahami, Ibrahim Taremi. Tahami was the old guy, sorry. Taremi. When Taremi started questioning the interview of uh, Skocic, and that's when I think the crack happened, and he shouldn't have done that, and everybody wants that job now, because the dilemma is he's not good enough for the World Cup, which I kind of agree with, okay? But he's earned it, and he knows the team, but he's at this point is a dead man walking after the tournament. On the other side, I don't like it that the players actually, especially Taremi and uh, Jahanbach, went behind his back and talked to the Federation to remove him. So I think at this point, uh, to me, if you keep him, you're doing the right thing. But if you let him go, it's not as bad as I think 
it could be. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think to me, Skocic, when, like you said, he was selected at a time where we didn't have a choice and he came on and I feel like if we view him strictly from a tactical perspective, in a lot of, in a lot of ways, he made the correct moves, even in that do or die game where we had to beat Bahrain in Bahrain. He made some in-game adjustments. He brought in some on Lodos at halftime and it changed the game. And, but to me, his weakness has always been his lack of a resume, especially when you are the successor to someone like Carlos Carlos, who's coached at the highest level. So given sure. his lack of resume, I think any move that he made that was a mistake was magnified and the players have never really garnered that respect for him. So like you said, we are stuck in this situation where we have a manager who's not, who's not getting that respect, no matter what he does actually on the field from a tactical perspective. But what do you think of some of his critics that say, you know, as compared to Skocic, as compared to Carlos Carlos, excuse me, Skocic is, is more aggressive. He likes to press higher, play a little bit more of a possession-based game. And Team Melly does not have the capability to play that at the World Cup level. And it's more in our benefit to play more of the Carlos Carlos conservative defensive style when we get to the World Cup. Yes, that's actually absolutely correct. The point is, with Kairosh, we have defensive uh, togetherness and cohesiveness. In the World Cup qualifying four years ago, we, I think we, we didn't get scored on for at least six, seven, seven, eight games. We had clean sheets. And defensively, we had a, a, we got def team defense and actual uh, individual defensive. But defensive as a team, we defended really well. And in Kairos time. But the other point about on the offensive phase of the game, we were extremely, extremely weak. The point is every time a player gets the ball, has to look up and look for an option. In the world, in the high level, that doesn't exist. So when you get the ball, movements happen and then you release the ball. So if you look at all Kairos's team, every time our players got the ball on the offensive phase, let's say we retrieved, we get, got back, we retrieved, we disposed the uh, uh, we got the ball back and we want to go on an offensive phase on a transition. Players have extra touches on the ball and looking up to find an option and maybe we get a goal. Well, Skocic changed that. Our team has an identity and offensive phase is actually a bit better than uh, Kairos. But on defensive phase, we don't have that cohesiveness and I don't think we don't have that desire to defend. And the best example would be somebody like Sardar Osmo, who was really struggling as a player, not struggling playing-wise, struggling mentally under Kairos because Kairos made him defend to the point that we when played against Spain in World Cup, it was almost a joke. All our forwards were back defending to the, to the actual goal line. And one of the reasons that Taremi didn't score that goal at the end, I think it was so tired against Portugal that he couldn't even hit the ball. So... When Scorchich or other coaches came, it was great for Osmo. But I just don't think this team has the desire and commitment to defend well. With Scorchich that we have, offensively we're very good, we're fluid, we press. But the commitment as a team to come up, when you press, the team has to come up. So when you press, they usually release the pressure to the, to the opposite side or the weak, weak spot. So the weak spot... We need players to put pressure on to make sure that the press is successful. We don't have the connections from the back to do that. That's why, if you notice, he keeps changing players in the back line with Nurullahi, 
Ezatolai, all those players that they come to play. So at the same time, I think the groups that we have, I was just going to bring that up, would have been very, very desirable for this for the team Melis under Kairosh. And I don't think it's good for this guy because those teams are physical. They have aerial supremacy and they could really hurt us. That K-Rush team in, let's say, last World Cup, the 2018 World Cup, would have been much, much more successful in this group that we have for 2022. But at the same time, back to your question, I think his his team is more fluid, but not m- more mature defensively like K-Rush's team. Yeah, and I think even if you look at some of the statistics under K-Rush, we very rarely scored goals in open play. A lot of it was based on set pieces. Our offense was almost based on set pieces, yes. but under Skocic and, and qualifying, we, we, we have scored a lot of goals in open play. So that, that goes that goes to your point. Let's let's talk a little bit about, about the group, right? Like we have England, Wales, and the United States. Um, I think when the group initially came out, some, some folks maybe compared it to the last World Cup where we had two superpowers in Spain and Portugal, and they saw this as a group that we could potentially advance from. How, how do you how do you view the group and, and how they match up against uh, against our? I watch uh, Premier League almost every week, and uh, I I follow the U.S. team. I think this is one of the not the most talented U.S. team, but most accomplished and young and hungry. They're the hungriest and more motivated. Not motivation against Iran, mostly motivated. I'm talking about the U.S. team because with England is kind of a you know if the odds are. The quality is better than us, and they might get a good result. With Wales and the U.S. are the two teams that we could actually make, maybe uh, gather some points. So it it looks that way, but it doesn't mean it happens. If football, everything could change. But it looks that we have a chance to get some points from the U.S. and Wales. But with the U.S. is I follow them. These teams, they don't have a they don't have a desire to beat us per se or have a revenge from 1998, this group of players have a point to prove approve against the team that they replaced with Josie Altador, with um, with all those players in the, you know, those uh, Clint Dempsey, all of those guys, the old big time generation. When they didn't qualify for the World Cup four years ago, the only player that, wait and that, that remained from that group was um, the Chelsea player. Uh, Pulisic, Christian Pulisic. The rest of them were new and they were young players that they were in Europe. And I followed all the games they had. They go to a very, very hostile environment. You know, Salvador, they go to Honduras, go to all these places that they really get treated bad. And they came up with flying colors. And this team has a chip on its its shoulder. They have a bunch of young, under 25, 26 uh, years players, Pulisic is the captain, plus Tyler that plays for Leeds United right now. And all these little stars pop up. And I have a feeling we're going to have a rough time against them. So the group, I based on what we see, I think the only team that we might be able to gather some, get some point would be Wells. Because I don't think they're at the level. I, If I had to bet, I would bet we'd, we'd, we're going to have a rough time to even get one point from the group. Right, and, and living in the U.S., obviously, we, we follow the U.S. team very closely, and even in the lead-up to the draw, the U.S. was a team that I particularly wanted to avoid. I would have honestly even preferred preferred Mexico because it feels like with this U.S. team, 
their strengths directly correlate to some of our, our, our weaknesses. They're incredibly athletic. We are not. Their strength of their team is their midfield. That might be the weakest part of our team. And we play them in the third match, which then brings in the depth factor because we traditionally struggle in that third game of the World Cup where because we can't rotate as much, we don't have the legs to keep up in that third match. And the U.S. and Berhalter will have much more of an ability to rotate given their squad depth. So for that reason, I personally have the second matchup against Wales circled as one that if we want to have any hope of getting out of the group, we need three points in that matchup because I don't want to go into that last game against the U.S. having to get three points to get, to, to get out of the group. But okay. I would like to bring up some old examples for you. So that would, okay, in football, in tournament, things change. I give you an example. When um, Denmark in 1992, they didn't even qualify for Europe. So they were on vacation in Spain. So Yugoslavia, I guess there was a Baltic war. So they got disqualified from Europe. So the federation from Denmark called all the players from the vacation. Hey, we're going to the Europe. You need to show up. And if you know, Peter Schmeichel was their goalie, which was a dad of Kasper Schmeichel that used to play for Leicester City. So they showed up, and guess what? They won the tournament. They they had a good run, and they won the tournament. They were not even they were not even prepared. That's one example. The other example was the World Cup 1986. You know, younger uh, audience probably wouldn't you know your listeners wouldn't know, but that team was so under underappreciated, and nobody even gave them a chance. That when the bus took the Argentine team to to the airport to go to Mexico. Their newspapers say, hey, the bus should stay there for a week because they're coming back in a week. That's what they were saying. But that team had Borchuaga, that Marmando Maradona, they had, uh, they had Jorge Valdano. But they had some players. But they went to the tournament and they won it. Then in 2004, you have Greece that comes out, beats uh, Portugal in the first game at Portugal and then beat them in the final in, in the Portugal with the, you know great work as Angelus Cresteos and Otto Rehagel. So these guys, so I've seen it in football that the teams will come in and a tournament, you could get a rhythm and muster a couple of games and win and things could change. But that requires some extra element. Argentina had Maradona. Denmark, when they qualified, they come to Euro 1992, they were the second team in a group. So they were not exactly bad. They had, you know, they had great player. Ken Larsen was one of them. Schmeichel was one of them. Then even with uh, Greece, the same thing. They had great players that played in Premier League. That doesn't apply to us when I think about it. Even though we have a couple of good players, we have no uh, games to prepare. We have a locker room is fully in disarray. And we have players that run the team, especially with those two, Taremi and Jahanbash, which right now it's, it's really... So even... That takes the element off of, uh, you know, the fact that there would be a surprise or some kind of a... So I want to give you that history, that football. I've been around it long enough to know that one game is one game and things could change and people get, you know, mentally hyped up. But if you notice, none of them... Uh, you have to have an X factor, which other teams that I just gave an example had the X factor. I don't think we have the X factor in our team. And things, to be quite honest with you, looks grim. Things are look grim to to get a result out of this tournament. 
so yeah, I, I, th I think one of the, if, if we try to look at it from a little bit more, maybe of a positive lens, maybe the, all of this off the field drama and, and Hashia, maybe it can take some of the pressure off the team so they can, you know, that they, they can try to, I guess, under promise and over deliver. Um, how do you view the squad itself though, right? They, like, like you said, there are some folks that call it the golden generation, but to me, it's a little bit imbalanced. I think, you know, Sadar and Tarmi are playing at, at the highest level, despite, you know, Tarmi's some of their character issues, we can say they're, they are one of the stronger forwards we've had in our history, but in midfield and wing back and squad depth, we, we are weak. How, how do you view the squad itself? Actually, I think it's um, I think it's a it's a balanced squad. So that showed it in the actually preliminary uh, uh, games. I like them. I actually like the team. I like the I like the balance between them. I like this variety of tactical uh, options that we have. I like it. But on a defensive phase, I just don't think this team is committed. We have a problem, and I, I like the coupling between Khalil Zadeh and Kanani in the back. They really find each other really well, these two. But they're short for a team that we're going to play. So Majid Hosseini is going to be a big, big issue for this team. And if you notice, Scotch is just trying to bring him around. And we might actually go back to poor Ali Ganji as well. So we need some height in the middle to go against Harry Kane, and to go against players that are with physicality, especially those three teams that we're going to play because they play with a traditional striker, less false nine that we had against uh, Portugal and Spain in the last World Cup. Okay, so that's what I think. I like the team. I, I think it's a good team. I just don't think they're seasoned and mature and uh, played in a high level against top teams, which they will probably have some breakdowns, and I hope we could survive the breakdown. But I like the team on a balance-wise, and I think we have great players that they could change, they turn the game around. So. so we discussed the manager, the team, and the, and the group. Let's, let's turn our attention a little bit to what's going on at, at, at the Federation. On August 30th, there will be an election to appoint a new IFF president, and one of the candidates is Mehdi Taj. Mehdi Taj has come out and explicitly stated that should he be elected president, he will seriously consider bringing back Carlos Queiroz for the World Cup. What do you think of that? And, and do you think bringing back Carlos Queiroz at this stage with this little amount of time left would be the correct move? Um, I consider the right move and a wrong move. Wrong move principally, right move, maybe a right move uh, in a football terms. That's how I look at it. Okay. What, uh, Carlos Karish was a good coach for us. I think he was the most decorated coach we've had in result-wise. But at the same time, most painful coach, most disrespectful coach, most the hardest coach to get along and work with. And not only with Iran, he had the same problem with Portugal. He had the same problems with, uh, with Madrid. He couldn't even last one year in Real Madrid. He had the same problems with Colombia because I'm actually, you know, with my sources that I talked to, and a couple of them are Colombians, they, they didn't like him at all. He couldn't last there. In Egypt, the same way. Mohamed Salah was one of the ones that wanted him out. So it's he's very hard to get along with. And he's very demeaning to the Federation, and he doesn't understand, and he doesn't respect the organizational chart of everything. That you you play you play for it. Uh, you, like, let's say... Federation is the one who hired you. You need to respect them. What he does usually, he puts the 
people against the federation and he creates this leverage for himself to always get more money out of the federation and also get what he wants and he does that everywhere so he did not he was not successful to doing that in colombia that's why they let him go so but at the same time he's the one who knows our team really well and all these players are his players and he did really well so football wise is a good move principally is a very bad move now it's up to you as fans or as federation would you like to take that route so i i would uh, the bottom line if i had to think about it and see principally i wouldn't do it i wouldn't even touch them but if i have the well-being of national team and our pride as a country and as a footballing nation in heart and i take it i will bring him back not that happy though right i, I don't even think the strongest carlos care supporters can deny the fact that he often did speak out of turn step out of line and and just be downright disrespectful i want to make sure i understand so when, when you say principally you're talking about those issues do you think from a principal perspective perspective it would also be unfair to dragon scotch to, to to let him go with this close to the to the world cup given that he was the manager who who, who led the team there no uh scotch i think as far as i'm i think scotch got what he wanted from this after this tournament he will have a job in persian gulf in one of the you know it's qatar or uae he's actually elevated his you know his resume and uh he's known now so he's going to get a job well he was he came to iran and coach i think malavon and other teams to just to get some experience and make some money and improve and i think what he did was admirable he did a great job with our national team and i think he got what he got from it But if he goes to the World Cup with the team, then the, his resume is going to be more more impressive than now if we let him go. So principally, I'm not worried about him. Football is there is no justice in football. I have no problem with him firing him tomorrow. I have no problem with it. Yeah, it's a bad move. It's not a right move to him. It's 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 unfair to him to let him go. But what we're looking at is our national team. Are we looking at of pride of 80 million people are watching that team that what that game and world was watching it in that case i bite the bullet and i bring kerosh which i know for 8 years just you know demeaned us you know got more money of us and it just keep in mind you, you could say he was against the principles of you know the, the the federation and all that stuff no he was actually very demeaning to a lot of a lot of players a lot of coaches he he cheated up not not with respect and he did that with other teams too and if you notice at the beginning the the red part of our country and the blue part of our country were behind him as soon as he felt that bronco came to persepolis and started getting result he went against persepolis and then he the the people that were against him the, with him they cut in half the persepolis is like didn't like him estevalis liked them and people in general So I have a feeling principally I mean why don't I take principally is principally as the fact that he did not do well uh respect wise with our country is one of those employees that would probably man I don't want this guy back he walks in the room and start yelling and screaming at people I have stories about him and if you notice uh, a lot of players that are my friends actually worked under him and he was not easy to play to work with but 
uh, now you're looking at this juncture at this point where we are as a team and what happened to our team. I think if they bring Kairosh is a good move and we have to bite the bullet for it. From a football perspective, from a just strictly football, but if we if we bring him back with 85 days less, he's going to have one camp where hopefully he might have one or two friendlies. And then because this World Cup is in season, he might only have a week before the match anyway. So do you think because of his prior knowledge that that won't be as big of an issue? Um, let me put it in a football term. He could he could bring a couple of ties out of the tournament, out of tournament. He could pack the team back. He could say, you know what, if you don't track back, if you don't take the time and space from the other team, I'm pulling you out. I don't care where you play. Okay. And they know who he is. They know. So in that case, yeah, uh, the word for it is in Farsi. I don't know how you, uh, how you translate in English, but it would be Aberumandane. He will take the team. He puts him in the back. We might get a tie from Wales. We will be most likely based on what we've done so far. We probably most likely, I would feel like we would be eliminated, but with our heads high up rather than getting, you know, not showing any football. So I just think he could save us some embarrassment from some embarrassment if he comes. But I think he has prior knowledge and the play, most of the players that play right now are his players. So they know him. And I think it would be a, if it was two, three, four months ago, then I would have a different, different outlook about it. All right, that's going to do it for my questions. I'd, I'd figure we'd end this on a, on a positive note. As I mentioned, I've been following your coverage and analysis of Team Melly for almost 20 years now, and one of my earliest memories was watching yourself and Agaya Hassan Al-Asaf at commentating and, and, and analyzing games back in Asian Cup 2004. So I thought I'd ask you what, what are your favorite memories uh, during your time commentating on on team melee games i'll share with you a, a couple of mine real quick so all the way back in asian cup 2004 our second match was against oman and it was this terrible game where we were playing very poorly we're down 2-0 ali karimi scored to make it 2-1 and in the last second of the game mohammad noshati scored this miracle header and we all felt this great sense of joy and relief and it was summed up fantastically by you and Agaya. All this affair. There was a, another match, I think it was a year later, and this one was in World Cup qualifying, we were playing Qatar and Qatar, another tie game late, and there was just some absolutely shameless grass rolling and diving from the Qatari players who were just throwing themselves on the ground to, to waste time, and both yourself and Anagaya Safar summed up what we were all thinking. <laughs> Thank you.
What are some of your favorite memories commentating on Team Ellie games? Well, I, as I mentioned, I'm old. I've been around. I've, I've been doing um, football uh, analysis and working, doing games since 2000. And uh, done it for many years. There's so many good memories that I've had. And there's so many bad memories. My bad memory was the loss against Bahrain in, in early 2000 that they, you know, they they were diving everywhere and they brought the flag out. That was, that really kind of affected me. And it was at the beginning of my career as an analyst. And um, it really affected my decision to actually stay with it or not, because it really hurt me as a fan and as a footballer and as a fan of country. But I, I, I talked to God rest his soul, Mr. All stuff. I goes, ah, oh, you got a bright future. Why don't you just come? Don't let the game affect you because I was really upset about that situation. But I, uh, I would say, that Mamad Nosrati's goal against Oman was a good goal, and and the one that we, uh, um, I don't, know, I think I think the best one would be the game against Korea, when Ali Karimi scored and we won those that game. I just felt proud as a as a ex footballer and also a, a football fan and Iranian to see how great of a player this player was, Ali Karimi. Not only because it was a golden boot and, uh, player, and it was a golden player as well. He was the best player and the best goal scorer in that tournament. And I had never seen a player in Iran. I've seen many of them. And uh, with that perfection and with that quality, I just felt like, man, this guy is from Iran. <laughs> علی کریمی زده میشه حساب کار چهار سه میشه کازی کلاسیک و بیاد مندنی رو داره میبینیم باز هم احتدیفی ها و باز هم علی کریمی چه فوتبال سه هستن این دو بازی کار هر کاری دلشون خواسته در این دیدار کردن ایران چهار کره جنوبی سه Yeah, I'm sure all Team Ellie fans remember that, that the hat trick he had on uh, that 4-3 game against South Korea tournament. We we should have probably won, but we got we got robbed in the in the semifinals uh, against China. So um, that was all I had. Thank you, thank you so much, uh, Aryan Lokar, for, for joining. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Um, look look forward to the World Cup. Hopefully, hopefully we get some good results, and look forward to chatting with you in the future. Likewise, thank you for having me on. Hopefully, we, I like to talk football, and I, I want to congratulate you on your podcast. Um, it's it's great to have play, you know, people that enjoy the game. And my job has always been, uh, this is how I looked at it when I started working. And I want to mention that right now before I go. Football is not appreciated in our country as much as it should be. There's always federation doesn't like football. You know, the games are being played without the fans. They never advertise football. Now the footballers are the enemy of the uh Uh, my job was from the beginning. I wanted to make football fun like every other country and make sure people stay in tune with, uh, with football. Because it's, it's something that brings us together regardless of what we think about. And it's simple. That is, bring football is the biggest uh, phenomenon in, in the world. And I want, them to enjoy, I want people to enjoy it. So I always want to do that. So when I see people like you or podcasters who want to talk football, I don't care. I want to go on there and make sure they talk football, they enjoy football. And that's one of the reasons. So I will gladly be on your podcast again. 
and we'll help you out as much as we can. I've told the World Cup is coming. I'm already talking to a lot of channels to broadcast the games and do some shows. And I will definitely, you know, make sure that you guys are in tune and you could get some get feedback from other, you know, other experts and other people that actually know football and help you out with your podcast. That's awesome. We, we appreciate the kind words. And I know we don't have a huge following yet, so we appreciate you hopping on to join us. That's going to do it for this episode. Thank you for listening. And if you're not already doing so, make sure you're following us on Twitter. We do host the weekly Twitter space at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. It's a lot of fun. So until next time, thank you.